0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Overstated NBA Show. It's myself and Brett. You can kind of tell my voice is a little hoarse. We just had um, a couple, two great games in Milwaukee. I was obviously at the game on Saturday, and I was at the game last night. We are recording this on a Monday. So um, right now, just so everybody is aware, the Heat 76ers game is going on right now. There's about eight minutes left to go in the third, and Miami is up 63 to 46. So we might touch on that game a little bit, but we're just going to do a recap of the games that were played on Monday night because by the time this drops, it's going to be Wednesday and it's going to be game five and both of those games. So, Brett, I guess we can go to, uh, you know, our reactions from Boston, Milwaukee. Um, I'll start. I was there. I thought, um, Milwaukee played incredible for three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, I sent a message to the group and I tweeted about it at halftime it was glaring how much they missed Middleton that game. Everything was a grind, and you could kind of see it in Game Three, especially in the fourth quarter. And the exact same thing happened. Um, I, Milwaukee played back to back, great third quarters, and they played back to back, terrible fourth quarters. And I thought, um, I thought, especially yesterday, I thought the better team won. Boston deserved to win. Um, Al Horford, I know everyone wants to talk about him, and rightfully so. I mean, he was, he was amazing. Uh, what was even more amazing though, was that all, all of his looks were wide open. And, um, I think a lot of that had to do with Jason Tatum, especially in the fourth quarter. I think, you know, he had 10 straight points and he assisted on two, but, um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we expected. Milwaukee was going to be in a dogfight with no Chris Middleton. And I just think it was very, very, very apparent from a Bucks perspective that they, they really, really missed him as a secondary playmaker. And, you know, man, it, it's, it's tough, especially against a defense as good as Boston to, uh, to do that for all four quarters. And you can kind of see just Milwaukee two games in a row in the fourth quarter. They just kind of, uh, they, they were gas, man. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow night, but uh, without Chris Middleton, it's going to be a, it's going to be a dog fight.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a massive workload for Giannis. And I think it was pretty apparent in the fourth that he was, uh, he was wearing down a little bit. Um, I think drew went five for 22. Like that's rough. And like Marcus smart deserves a lot of credit in that. he played great. Smart's defense was awesome, but Drew did have a lot of good looks that like I, I I just remember so many times watching that game, like, damn, like we caught a break there. Like, damn, I can't believe that didn't drop. Like, cause he 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 had a lot of looks that he normally makes and they just weren't falling. His shot was just way off. And and sometimes when you're played so well by somebody like Smart, like that can throw off your rhythm too. So, like, even if it's an open look, you know, you haven't really established your rhythm. It's kind of like we saw with Durant against the Celtics in round one where like he would get some pretty good open looks like in a couple of those fourth quarters and they just weren't dropping. And I think that has to do with how tough the Celtics played him all game long, how physically and just how he was never really able to establish a rhythm like he'd normally be able to do. So yeah, I I just think, I think if drew had had even, you know, a half decent game that this might've been different. Um, Cause I thought he played pretty well, all in all, other than the shots, not dropping, he played a pretty good game. Uh, You know, offensively, he was getting to his spots, but it's tough, man. Like when Horford is shooting it like that, that's when the Bucks defense might not
0: be as effective. You oh, know? it's not. It's not. It's not like I mean. Yeah, he, he, they're, and their their defense is designed to give him those looks, dude. right? He, it, it's it's wide open looks because they're, they 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 want to take away the paint. To me, though, I, you touched on something that was very very interesting. So, as you were talking, because I've been kind of saying this, you know, to, to Bucks fans and a little bit on, on social media as well. Outside of game one, when Milwaukee hit 12 threes, in game two they hit three. In game three, they hit nine. And in game four they hit nine. Like they are just and similar to what you said, it, it's crazy watching these two teams play against each other because they both play almost the exact same defense, right? Like they are going to take away the pain. They're gonna they're gonna make your life miserable on the perimeter, but they're going to give you open looks. And it's like you said, Grayson, I mean, Pat Connaughton was okay. I think he was three for six last night, but between Grayson Allen, Wes Matthews, George Hill, Bobby Portis, you know, you mentioned Drew Holley, like they just, and these are wide open looks and they just, they couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. Like it's, it's really, really, you know, tough to watch. And Boston is just like you talked about on the, uh, from the three point range, they're just out shooting them. And I know, I think the fourth quarter yesterday was a little bit of anomaly. I think they missed like, what, two shots the entire was, quarter?
1: Yeah, I think they shot like 85% in
0: yeah, the fourth it was quarter. Amazing. And kudos to them, like super kudos to them. I'm not, I'm not dogging them or anything like that, but it's just like Milwaukee is getting just as many open looks as Boston is. And to me, the difference is outside of Middleton not being there and just, just like the grind it is with them on offense. Milwaukee's just missing a lot of open shots, and Boston is nailing their open shots. And to me, that's out again, outside of Middleton, that's been the difference to me, man. It, and it's I I don't want to sound cliche. It's a make or miss league, and Boston is making a lot more of their shots than Milwaukee is right now.
1: Yeah, they're definitely shooting it better. And I mean, you know, that's it's not entirely surprising. Like I think just because of the nature of Milwaukee's defense and the fact that they are playing a traditional big and Brooke Lopez. Um defensively traditional, certainly, like it, Boston's getting better looks um and and that's where I wonder, like, you know what at what point do you go small if you're the bucks because like if if Horford is shooting the three like that, you know, and that that lineup is in with Grant Williams at the four, you know, no time, lord. I'm not sure what his status is gonna be for the next game, yeah, but either I way,
0: thought, I thought, man. <laughs> I think it benefited Boston that he wasn't out there. Like, maybe, obviously, going forward, I think they're going to need him. But I think in this matchup, like, I don't think he can be out there on the court. And I think we saw that
1: this game. I, I like him off the bench in this matchup. Like, I hope they stick with this starting five throughout this series anyway, it, it, as long as the Bucks don't switch up their defensive scheme. Because the way the Bucs play defense now with Brooke out there, the drop, um, I think having those five shooters. Is really effective. Like we've we're seeing it in the Dallas yeah. series. We've we've seen it. You know, we saw it against Utah in the first round also, and we've we've seen it a lot over the years. And that's kind of what the Celtics are doing. And and the, yeah, that's what you get when you when you have Grant out there instead of Robert Williams. Uh, but yeah, man, like I don't know how effective Brooke Lopez can be defensively if you've got five shooters out there and. Horford is shooting it like that. And I mean, you know, this was probably the best game of his career, certainly best playoff game. But like <laughs> yeah. but he but he, he he was great the game before, too. Like he's he he he's just he's just shooting it well, period, right now. Like he's he's a problem, and that's where I just wonder. It's like we know Giannis can play the five. Like we obviously saw it in last season's playoffs a lot, but you guys did have PJ. Um, and we saw it a lot earlier oh. in this season, but you know, before Brooke came back, certainly. And, uh, and I was just looking at the box score now and Portis only played 14 minutes. And it's like, I wonder if they'll reconfigure it a little bit just to get a little more uh, versatile defensively. Or do they just kind of stick with what they're doing and, you know, hope the Celtics don't shoot it well, because they're, they're getting the, the thing is like you're going to get looks right. The Bucs are going give, to give up threes. Um, and I just think it comes down to it's a matter of. Uh, passing it well making the right reads moving the ball quickly and if you do that you're gonna get open looks and that's where like in the first couple games like they were getting they attempted a lot of threes but they weren't all necessarily great looks uh and now these last couple games especially game four like they were actually getting open looks especially horford like he had all day on a few of those and i uh, i don't think the bucks can afford to give up those kind of looks to this celtics team i just think they're, they're too good of a, a shooting team i think to do this especially right now with with the way grant
0: williams and uh and Horford are shooting it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I would say like for one, Bobby. I mean, I, as much as I love him, like he's getting hunted on on de- on defense. Like like Tatum and Brown are they're looking for him whenever he's on the court. And to me, man, he he just has he the way because of his de- his limitations defensively. If he's not shooting the ball, I think it's tough to get to have him in the game there. I really do. Like I want to see him. I know he was two for seven last night, but dude, I want to see him shoot four or five threes. You know, Grace Allen, every time Grace Allen, that you have an inch of space and that ball gets thrown to you, dude, you, you got, you got to shoot it. Like to me, that was the most as a, as, as an NBA fan. Let me rephrase that as a Bucks fan. It, it, they, they just got to let it fly, dude. And you watch Boston. Like they're just, they're letting it fly. Like they're open. They're letting it fly. Milwaukee just seems to be just a, a little bit more hesitant. And I think a lot of that has to do that, that, that Chris Milton isn't in there, man. So I'd like to see Javon Carter play a little bit more, mm. to, to be honest with you. And and you touched on it. My my friends all, I mean, they 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 kill me for I continue to bring this up, man. But that loss of PJ Tucker, you're seeing it this series because you it's, it's difficult to play Bobby. And at least with PJ Tucker out there, with the threat of the the corner three that he that he loves to shoot so much, and you know he can, along with West Matthews, make like difficult for him. I, I I tweeted about it today. And I, I saw you said something about it too. Wes Matthews' defense on Jason Tatum has been phenomenal. And George mm-hmm. Hill's has been okay. I know George Hill got kind of roasted in that fourth quarter a little bit, but you cannot rely on, if you want to win an NBA title, it's very difficult to rely on those two guys to give you, to play as many minutes as they're playing. I think they played a combined, uh, I, can't, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. George, it.
1: George Hill played played 23 minutes and uh, and Wes Matthews uh, almost 29. And like the Hill thing's weird because Javon Carter was great, you know, before Hill came back,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially I, I,
1: defensively. And he only played forty three seconds, so like that's the trade off. You bring George Hill back, and he only gives you what? What do you get? He had five points and two assists in twenty three minutes. So like, I don't know, man. I I, pre- I would prefer Javon Carter, but that just seems like the trade off. And I get that Hill's the veteran, and, and Carter latched on kind of late in the season. It's it, I'm not, you know, I get it, but I'm just trying to figure out like if they were to go small. What does that look like now that they don't have PJ Tucker? Like, do you do you dust off Thanassis and throw him oh, in? Oh, that no. was
0: cold, man. That was cold.
1: That was cold. <laughs> you, you, no, we both know you can't do that. Do you maybe try like Pat Connaughton as like a small ball four? To be honest, like would that work?
0: I think against Boston, you have to stay big and you have to. Your, your guys, they just have to make shots. I mean, Milwaukee had a seven point lead going in the fourth quarter last night, and they just. I understand that they hit a wall, but you know, I was. I was at the game with my dad and I'm telling him and I'm, the people around it, you're just, somebody needs to step up, right? Like yeah. Boston, and I know Tatum had 30, but for Boston, it was Al Horford that that stepped up, right? Like Milwaukee outside of Giannis and Drew, like offensively, they are, they are getting nothing from everybody else. I, I know Pat Connaughton, he hit a three late. I think Wes hit a three late, but I mean, dude, it, we had, I looked to the guy next to me last night, we had three threes, at the end of the first quarter, and I said, if we get to twelve, we're going to win this game. What do they have at halftime? Like four or five, but they finished the game with nine. And dude, it just—it it, it wasn't enough. dude. and it's timely threes, like I said, dude, the crowd's into it, It's wide open, and they—they they just need to hit, man. But I expect well, uh, TV Garden is going to be rocking tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a tough environment. Um, yeah, I, I I feel pretty good about the Celtics' chances in that one. But uh, if so, if you stay big. And you and you stay with Brooke Lopez, which which makes sense. I mean, he's you know, he's a great player. Like, do you do you do more to take advantage of Boston being smaller, like on offense? Like, do you dump it to do you feed Brooke more? Because I, there was times in game four where like they were giving it to Brooke in the post, um, and it was like, Oh shit, is this like the ace up their sleeve? Is like vintage like Brooklyn Nets, Brooke yeah. Lopez? Like because he's so big, he's so much bigger than anyone on the Celtics. Like, there was a few plays where it was like they could they could go to this a lot more, and I mean, he what he took eleven shots in that game. Like, maybe that's the guy that could step up for the Bucks because I think that is one area where it could be an advantage. Like, I don't really know who on the Celtics is containing Brook Lopez down low. Man, he's he's so huge. So that looked like they had some success with that. And like, I think if you're gonna stay big and maybe you know, say sacrifice- what you're
0: gonna say. say say what I think you're gonna say because I you 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 said it last night, and I think they need to do more on it. So I'm gonna let you finish. I hope you say what I think you're gonna say. <laughs> No, man, I mean, I, I don't even I'm – try, I'm trying
1: to think what you're referring to. I, I'm just saying, like, if if you're going to sacrifice a little bit defensively by having, you know, a traditional center out there and when the Celtics go small, like, I think you have to capitalize on the other end more than you have. And I think he's a, a dangerous offensive weapon, and I think he could have a few more shots for sure. Like, and he could be like the – have like the Horford game for you guys where it's just vintage, like – Brooke goes for like
0: twenty-eight and twelve, and it's like You could. He could, but I, I look at it, so the rebounding numbers, Milwaukee is out rebounding Boston this entire series. They had four they out rebounded them by ten yesterday, 48 to 38. And offensive rebounds, see, this is the key why you have to have those guys in there. Milwaukee had 13 offensive rebounds to Boston's four. So I think to me, you can't change up too much. Like I, I agree with you. I think they, you gotta give Bobby a little bit more minutes because I think he's the only one. That is like proven to give you something offensively. But I think you have to do it. And what I was referring to, man, I'd like to see a little more two-man game when with Giannis and, and Lopez when when Boston tries to go small because Giannis is big enough to make that pass. He can kind of throw it a little bit awkward. So oh, yeah. Where the only person that can get it is Brooke, because he's just a mammoth dude. Like I, I would like to see just a little bit more of that. I think that could be an advantage to Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I was saying last night. That's right. I was very impressed with, with Giannis's, uh, delivery into the low post on a couple of passes, just the timing of it and the way that he sort of, he almost, I think on one, like sold a corner skip pass and then, and then dumped it down low. Like he went up high and then it was, it was nice. It reminded me of, uh, of some stuff we've, we've seen from Luca. So yeah, that was, uh, but hey, man, I, this is, this is an all-time great series. Like for me, for like a second-round series. Just, oh, I don't
0: know if it's all-time. I think if Middleton yeah, was there, it'd be an all-time. This is going to be just a little short than that. What if it goes seven? I, don't you think it's going seven so even without I, Middleton? I, I, look, I'm not. I don't. I, I'm going to say something, and I don't want to sound like that guy. Look, Milwaukee beat Brooklyn when Kyrie got hurt last year. The, you know, James Harden was on one leg and went seven games. Like, dude, I, I get injuries. There's no excuses. Injuries happen in the playoffs. I, I, I'm not making an excuse for Milwaukee, but I think i I do think if middleton was there i I think this might be bucks in six maybe if I, just based on what we've seen so far but because he's not there like i i think it i can't you know me i'm not gonna i can't say like Milwaukee's not gonna win but i i if you could tell by my tone of voice like I, I think it's gonna be very very difficult for them to. To, to pull this off I, I, like, I just really
1: I good. I feel like it's going seven I really do I think the Celtics get game five I think the Bucks get game six I think the Celtics close it out in Boston but I'm just saying like it's just been such a hard-fought series like there's been like if you love defense like this is you gotta love this series oh, I love
0: it. there's I been some it.
1: great defense like um we're just seeing peak Giannis we're you know we're seeing just just a battle of these these two defenses man and like and it's starting to really feel like a rivalry. I think this is the third time in 5 years that these teams have seen each other in the playoffs like and maybe some of it's just fueled by like our Facebook group where we're always in there talking shit cuz like there's so many Bucks fans and so many Celtics fans and, and that's a lot of fun. So but I, you know, this is really one of the more fun Second round series, I can remember. Maybe it's just because I'm so like emotionally invested in it at this point. But either way, I'm I'm really enjoying it, and I do think this one, uh, if any of these series are going seven, I think it'll be this one. Well, I think, I
0: mean, we're going to get to some uh, some some question and uh, Q and A's from uh, the the listeners here, but I, I do think that the winner of this series, and I, I said this before to you uh, before this series started, is not only going to the NBA Finals. I think the winner of this is winning the NBA Finals, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Love it. I love that's, it, man. That's my thing. But, hey, let's talk about I, – I, I hate doing this because it's going to come out tomorrow after this game is already played. But um, I am a little – I don't – worried for Phoenix right now. Um, to me, outside of obviously our series, Boston-Milwaukee, this is the, the most intriguing series to me. Um, uh, Dallas, they shot the shit out of the ball in Dallas, and I think that they kind of surprised Phoenix a little bit. I am very, very curious to see how Phoenix is going to adjust – but uh, why don't you give me your thoughts on, on on Phoenix and Dallas here? Because Phoenix, I think that they have all the pressure in the world on them, Brett. Because I, I, didn't, Chris Paul ain't getting any younger. I know he's on the vegan diet, but they they could be in a little bit of trouble. What are your thoughts on this series so far?
1: Honestly, like this is about where I expected it to be at this point in the series. Like I know we talked about it ahead of time. Like I always felt like this was going to be a very competitive series. Like I never felt like. Um, anybody should be counting Dallas out Dallas is an excellent team Uh, but yeah man I'll tell you this like seeing what they're what they've done to Phoenix in the last couple games here uh, games three and game four this offense is for real like that wasn't just Utah's bad perimeter defense in round one like everyone was kind of saying or like at least like the Dallas naysayers would be like ah yeah but that's Utah's perimeter defense blah 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 I heard that 10 million times well they're kind of doing the same thing to Phoenix at least in the last couple of games like I think it's just becoming apparent that this offense with, uh, you know, especially with Kleber in there, the the five out lineup is really, really tough to stop um, with Luca running the show. And, uh, and yeah, they're giving Phoenix all they can handle. Uh, obviously Chris Paul has been subpar to say the least in the last two games. I expect that to turn around, but you know, if he has another bad game, it's like, okay, what's going on here. Uh, I thought Aiton was going to come out and dominate this series. He had a dominant performance in game one. Uh, he's been okay, but he hasn't been quite what I expected him to be for the Suns. And I think they could get him a little bit more involved. But I also think he needs to just be a little more aggressive and be better defensively, be smarter defensively. This is partially on him, um, you know. When you look at the way that Dallas is scoring baskets, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a great series. And at this point, I think it's anybody's. You know, I think it's very much up for grabs. Like, I haven't, I I have no reason to think one of these teams is significantly better than the other right now. And it's like, okay, Phoenix was the best team in the league all year. It's like, okay, yeah, we saw them all year. We saw them be great all year. Uh, But this is the playoffs, it's different. And the only series we've seen them in was against the Pelicans. And the Pelicans pushed them to six games, like a winnable game six that, you know, people were saying, They were on the ropes then, too. So it's like, you know, maybe they're not quite the juggernaut that they are in the regular season when it comes to the playoffs. And when it comes to great coaches being able to game plan against them, figure out some of their stuff, um, you know, figure out their weak points. It's just a totally different game in the playoffs. And obviously, this is basically the same team they had last year. And obviously, they went all the way to the finals last year. So I'm not trying to take anything away from them. I think it's more a case of uh, people might have been sleeping on Dallas a little bit. But Dallas plays great defense. Uh, they've been shooting the ball really well. And again, they've got the best player in this series, uh, probably the best offensive player in these playoffs. So that's big. So even when Luka's not shooting it great, like he, he you know, he had a pretty, I think he was nine for 25 in game four, uh, but he still dominates the game, man. You know, his playmaking, his ability to to draw the defense, to draw attention, to f- to make the right passes, to process things quickly. Like all that is still there. And uh, I think he was a little bit better defensively. I think maybe he, he took some of that stuff personal when Phoenix was hunting him and he's, he's looked a little more engaged on that end, but yeah, man, they got guys stepping up. kleber has been great. Uh, Dorian Finney Smith has been fantastic. I love
0: this series. It's
1: a fun one. Uh, I can't wait. I'm hoping I I can catch most of the game tonight.
0: I love watching a series when I'm not emotionally invested in it. It's a lot more fun. Trust me. Trust me. Well, you you know it, it's it's a lot more fun, dude. Yeah. Yeah. see. I'm in, I'm
1: invested report. in this one because I, I have some money on Dallas to win the title this year. I just took him on a super long shot last summer. Oh, um, Do you make futures bet? And it's like, hey, man, make it out of this
0: gambler, like you.
1: If they get out of this series, I'll actually be feeling all right about that one, but it was just a total long shot. So I really kind of am pulling for Dallas, like mainly because of that. But, but I know what you mean. Like, uh, you know, like the, uh, the Golden State Grizzly series. I haven't been really too emotionally invested. I've just been enjoying
0: it. Although at this point, I'm kind of just. Pulling for Golden State. That jazz, not, it sucks that Jaws out, dude. And they, yeah, I, I thought they had a chance to seal it yesterday and and mine and it up two two. But yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: I think if Jaw, you know, if Jaw never goes down, it's I, I still think that probably would have been like a six or seven game series. But yeah. uh, you know, at this point we'll just we'll move on and and Golden State versus either one of these teams is gonna be super fun in the conference finals.
0: Yeah. It is well, dude. Let's. Uh, we don't want to talk about Philly, Miami because uh, you know that that's where we're at with it's. It's it's
1: on now, and and then yeah, we've got um, Phoenix, Dallas is next, and I'm hoping I can catch some of that. We're we're going out for dinner, but I'll probably uh, sit somewhere where I can see a TV. Miami's <laughs> up by
0: Miami's up by twenty. There's 30, damn like, okay
1: on, on the home court. Not not too surprising, but uh, okay, okay, Miami, okay. okay. Miami.
0: All right, let's get to some. So we had asked us to. Uh, you know some of the listeners are sending us some questions. So let's uh let's get to it dude. we we put this on our Facebook page and we're Hell just yeah. gonna
1: I haven't seen I haven't seen any of these yet, but
0: let's Yeah, look. I know we're, I paid you in it and you didn't say anything. That's fine.
1: I I told you. I saw it at like 5 in the morning when I woke up, like all bleary-eyed, I'm like oh cool, like that's that's a good idea. And then I just kind of forgot about it all day until we were doing this, but it looks like we got uh quite a few questions. So yeah, man.
0: Well, all right, we're going to shout out with them out. A, we're going to start out with a banger here and I'm I'm doing this one just for you. Okay. <laughs> Which team is going to land Gobert and why it shouldn't be the Raptors? Oh, man. Let me just
1: say Dallas. You think Dallas? I don't know, man. I mean, that's tough. Like, there's there's a few teams that make sense. Like, I think Atlanta is one that's been talked about a lot. I think Gobert and Trey make a lot of sense on both ends. Like, Gobert can cover for some of those uh, the defensive weaknesses, obviously. And then that, that alley game could be sick. Like he could be a better version of Capella basically. So the Hawks make a lot of sense. Um, I think Dallas makes sense too. And I think Dallas, Dude, I'm going I, I, to I, say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Atlanta. I'm going to say Atlanta for this one final answer that it just, it makes, it makes too much sense because Atlanta's got to make a move. Okay. Like, like you've said so many times, it's been a disappointing season for them. And like, I'll admit it kind of has Utah's got to make a move. The thing with Atlanta is they have the pieces to, bring him back potentially. You know, they've got, say they move a uh, say they move Collins. Uh, I just think Atlanta's got the pieces to do it. I think the fit makes sense. I'll say Dallas as like a dark horse, like Charlotte as another dark horse, because Charlotte's another team that obviously needs a rim protector. Like I, D- the Dallas thing's been in my head for a while, but now watching Dallas play the way they do, I'm kind of like, I don't know, maybe they don't want to go in that direction. So yeah, he's going somewhere though. I really think it's gonna be gonna be him that gets moved.
0: And I got two teams. I'm gonna cheat a little bit because I did not think of Dallas. I love that because I want to. I I'm with you. Like I'm not the biggest fan of Rudy Gobert's game, but like I think now it's kind of the point where he's getting such a bad rap that he's. It's almost like he's underrated a little bit. At least, at least, at least to me, he is. I want to see him play with a true point guard. I really do. I know a couple of pods ago, I, I, I floated out a hypothetical to you that maybe he goes to Phoenix. Just because of the whole DeAndre Ayton thing, which is we we might get to that one because I know someone asked a good question about that. I really like him in Charlotte playing with Lamelo. I think Charlotte needs a front a front court board person. I'm not sure if they have enough of like, uh, the package to get Rudy Gobert, but I would love to see him with Charlotte. And I, I, you just said it, dude. I would love to see him with Luca. Are you kidding me? I would love, love, love to see him with Luca. Their defense would be insane, and Luca would actually get him the ball. But I would bet you Luca turns him into a. I'm just gonna say 23 point a game score, easily. Damn, I don't easily. know about that. I, but, what, but how do they get him? Um,
1: that's the thing I'm wondering. Maybe is like
0: Jalen Brunson
1: sign and trade? Yeah, I think it would have to be right. I mean, I don't really see another way. And then it's like I don't know. Would you rather just bring Brunson back and and kind of? keep doing what you're doing. Like, that's the thing. Like I, I have always liked this for Dallas, but just thinking about it now, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know, maybe I don't want that for them, but in a lot of ways it makes a ton of sense. And, um, and I think with the Charlotte one, it would, it would be Gordon Hayward going back, yeah. going back to Utah yeah, exactly. where he started. Cause that would, you know, be, I think close to making the contracts uh match. So I, those, yeah, those would be the three Dallas, Charlotte, Atlanta. And well, that's th- going to lead
0: us to our next question okay. um, of, of Jalen Brunson, DeAndre Ayton and James Harden. Who is most likely to be on a different team next season?
1: I'm sorry, Jalen Brunson, James Deandre Harden, DeAndre, Deandre, Deandre. Ayton. Yeah. Uh, I think Brunson. I think Brunson's the most likely to be on another team. I think Harden's going to be in Philly for the foreseeable Ooh, future.
0: I, I don't know if he's going to be.
1: I mean, it's not a lock. It's not a lock, and you know, but I, I think I think he's going to come back. I could see them bringing him back on like a. Like a less than the max, but for maybe a couple more years. And then Ayton, I just think the Suns are gonna do the right thing and, and bring him back. Um, obviously some of these some of this can depend on what happens in the rest of these playoffs. Like all those guys are are still in the playoffs. Uh, but I just think with Brunson, somebody's gonna overpay. And Dallas just kind of based on the way that they've operated in the past, I don't think they're gonna pony up the money. Like I think someone's gonna offer him like more than twenty million a season, which yeah. I personally think is a little insane. And I think Dallas might end up feeling the same way. And maybe they'll um maybe they'll sign and trade him or, or, you know, use that that flexibility to bring somebody else in. But uh I'd say he's the he's he's the least likely to be on on his current team next season.
0: I like that. I like that. I, I agree with you. But I, I think that I think there's a world Brett where all three of these guys are on different teams next season. I yeah. I, I really, really do. I, I think that the James Harden thing is weird, especially because didn't he like miss miss the like in clause? He missed something. Uh, like he passed the deadline to get even more money, but there's like a handshake agreement. But I know Daryl's got uh, you know a hard on for Harden, but the, I I don't know how you know Mister Analytics can can be like, hey man, we're actually gonna go places with James Harden, especially with the shape that he's in now. Maybe he gets in better shape. I don't know. I just think his body is is failing him a little bit, like Allen Iverson. And Deandre Ayton, I just think there's something weird with that Phoenix team, Brett, and I can't figure it out. It's almost like like is this it? Like it maybe maybe next year is that, is that their run and then it's over and then they got to retool. I don't know. I, I I just I can see a world where it's being all three, but if you put a gun to my head and I'm gambling, I think it's easily Jalen Brunson. I, I yeah, think, I, I, I I think I think he's got a New York Nick written all over it. Yeah, or maybe maybe the
1: Pistons. Uh, there's a few teams that could uh, that could pay him quite a bit, and they might be willing to. And I'm I don't know. You know, I've said that before. Like I think you know anything in excess of twenty million a year, certainly. I'm not sure he can live up to that as like a full time starting point guard. But he is a heck of a player. Um, and I agree, though, man. There's definitely a world where all those guys are on different teams. Obviously, I think that's
0: why why they asked the question. Who's who asked that question, by the way? Who did ask that question? Oh, it was Leonard Matthews. So shout out oh, to okay. Matthew. Shout
1: out to Leonard. Yeah, that's a good question.
0: Who asked the first question? To, we should probably shout these people out. Do you remember? Yeah, we probably should. I know it was a Raptors fan that asked it. Oh, it was Alex Cato. Sorry. Alex Cato asked that Toronto Raptors question. So that was uh that was a pretty good question. I like that. I like that. All right, let's do this one. Um, because this is gonna tie in. So we got a bunch of questions about the the NBA officiating. So I think this kind of ties into it, you know, like a, what are some things that the NBA can do to make uh, the games more watchable? Um, I mean, do you want to start with the officiating? I, I think, you know, again, I, I don't know if it's as bad as people say it is. I just think Boston and Milwaukee are two incredibly physical teams. I I, I would like to see them just let them play a little bit more. Um, <laughs> as a father of twins, I was exhausted today. Um, you could tell it in my voice. Like that third quarter felt like it took forever yesterday but I mean I, I just like to see the refs let them play a little bit more I think the reviews are so annoying and so stupid not not necessarily the coaches challenge but they seem to review everything I just think it's let these dudes play man I, I mean I think it would be a lot of better for the for the casual fans sitting at home
1: yeah the the foul reviews like the you know potentially flagrant fouls that's that's excessive I feel like we get like a dozen of those per game like it's just you know, like I've referred to it as the, um, the they're going to take a look at this one era, like because that's you just hear that yeah. so much. Oh, they're going to take yeah. a look at this one. Yeah, no shit. They are. They take a look at everything uh, that's that they need to tone that down. Like, I don't know what that's going to take, whether they have to change their criteria for for what they look at or their criteria for a flagrant foul or just get better at identifying them or or. or and if they're going to review it, make it quicker, because that I think is the biggest drag on the, the viewer experience as far as like the coaches challenges and the instant replays, like I think it's kind of a a two-sided thing. Like it's, it makes for good television. I think sometimes, especially like when it's a big call and like you're, you're seeing it and I don't know, like that there, there can be some, some suspense there. Like that personally doesn't bother me when I'm watching it as much. Like I I kind of, because you only get so many of them and, um and even just like the replays, like people are saying they need to tone down the replays. Like, I, I kind of enjoy seeing them watching the game and I think that's why they do it. I think it kind of makes for good television. But I also think it encourages the ref talk that everyone's complaining about now. So like maybe when you're in the moment watching the game, it's kind of fun. but then after the game, all anybody talks about is the refs, it seems like at least lately. And I think a lot of that is because of how much the the broadcast focuses on the refs whether it's through those replays or through the coaches challenges or through the reviews or the ref like just coming right up to the screen and and announcing what the the call is or like calling in monty mccutcheon or steve Javi you're going to
0: Secaucus, <laughs> new
1: jersey or fucking you know what i mean like and then the players always complaining and that kind of highlights it more and oh he's complaining about the foul like i think they they sort of encourage us to talk about the refs and i don't think that's the conversation anybody wants to be having so i think more like in the consequence of of, of the way the broadcast talks about the officiating. That's where it's more a problem more than actually watching the game. And then like, and I agree with you, man, about like this series in particular, like it's just tough to officiate. Like, yeah, there's been a lot of bad calls, you know, for so both, both sides. Both physical
0: teams. They're the two most yeah. physical teams in the league. Both teams are.
1: Yeah. It, it, and it is frustrating, you know, but I also think that's because they show 10 million replays because then you're just like, oh my God, that was such a bad call. Where like if they yeah. didn't highlight it so much, like you might just be like, I – think they got that one wrong but okay let's you know next play and uh you know there's been a couple of those I don't even need to get into specific examples and I'll just say as far as Giannis like um you know he requires leniency on the part of the refs it's just how it is it's just the reality he's one of the most popular players in our game he's one of the greatest players of all time like top 10 maybe even already he is an all-time great and you cannot just take Giannis out of the game um you know by calling every offensive foul on him but at the same time it's frustrating seeing him quote-unquote, get away with offensive fouls. I think the only way to really enjoy the Giannis experience if you're not a Bucs fan um, in, in those games when he's playing your team is to just accept that. That, like, look, he has to be officiated a certain way or he would
0: foul well, like, out every I, game. I, I would just like to add something to that to kind of defend him a little bit. It, it, it's more so, like, he is so – I mean, dude, he's Shaq. He's so big and strong. Like, at, at sometimes – like, sometimes I get it. Like, even – and I think Bucks fans get it too. You're like, ah, oh, dude, Giannis, you really lowered that shoulder in there. But – there's other times where guys are just bouncing off them because they're just not strong enough you know, yeah it, 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 it's and like you said it he's gonna get officiated like shaq does it's it's just the way it is
1: yeah I, I mean I, look I'm okay with it I'll complain about it when they're playing the Celtics in the heat of the game but um overall I I accept that you know you there has to be some leniency there and also like you said like some of them it is tough because it's like was that actually an offensive foul or is he just you know, eighty pounds heavier and like you know, bigger and stronger than Derek White or whoever. Like, so th- there's that component of it, and then I think there's also the component where it's like you, you got to call a couple on him, but you also got to let him get away with a couple, or else you know he, he's just going to be in foul trouble, and, and nobody really wants that. Uh, and, and part of that's on the Celtics. It's like, okay, we know he's going to be officiated this way, so we got to play him this way. And, and and they stepped up and took a couple of huge charges in Game Four, especially Marcus Smart. So. Um, and, and then Giannis is just brilliant. So like, I, I don't want the ref talk to detract from any of this. So like, as much as I enjoy some of the drama that comes with it, when you're watching the game, it's like, it does lead to these conversations that none of us really want to have after the game. That's, that's kind of my take on the, the whole, the ref thing.
0: Yeah, um, I, 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 actually agree with you. I mean, I, I definitely, let's go to, uh, Sam Joe, who should be the consensus number one pick, regardless of the team that wins the lotto.
1: I think it's Chet Holmgren. I mean, I don't. I asked a question on Twitter in the group the other day, like, which of the five or six teams, whatever it is, that have better than 10% odds to get the first overall pick wouldn't draft Chet? And I'm like, yeah, maybe the Pacers wouldn't because they've got Miles Turner and blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, maybe they want to move off Turner and they could pair Chet with Isaiah Jackson. Like, you can justify Chet, I think, for any of those teams. And I just think his upside is is greater than any other player in that conversation to me. And yeah, he, there's some risk that comes along with him. Like he's far from a sure thing, but I just think, you know, if you're a GM, you're not going to get killed for taking Chet first overall. I would say he's the most likely guy to be picked first. And uh, and when you're one of those teams, like I don't think you're too worried about like fit. You kind of just want to go with the best player, especially when it's a player like that that's pretty versatile um, and it is obviously going to be valuable on the defensive end. So I say no matter who gets the number one pick, Unless it's one of these like long shot teams that maybe is a little more established roster wise. I think, you know, whether it's OKC, Houston, Orlando, uh, Detroit, Indy, like I think any of those teams, I think Chet's the guy personally based on what I've seen. I'm not a draft expert and I haven't watched nearly as much film on a lot of these guys that other people have, but I'm pretty familiar with Chet. And I think he has a chance to be really special. So that would be my, my answer to the question.
0: Yeah, man, I, I, I think you can go, you can't go wrong with Chad. I think Paulo's is pretty good, but for me though, man, I really, um, I want to see Detroit get the number one pick and I want to see them draft Jabari Smith because I think Jabari Smith and Cade coming in together is, um, would be pretty, pretty damn special. So uh, yeah, that's my thing. So shout out to uh, Sam Joe. So we're going to take the next two questions and kind of combine them a little, little bit here. So, uh, our guy Sahil, resident Philly fan, he goes, um, why do you think there's so much pushback on this MVP? Seems like most players and former players have spoken out against the pick. And we're going to combine it with um, JT. JT, I apologize. For, I'm going to pronounce your last name, name wrong. Peggy begun. Sorry. My bad. I know I pronounced that wrong, but my bad. Um, after winning his second MVP, where do you rank Jokic on your greatest list? Also, where does he land on your all-time center list?
1: Hmm. That's so kind of a two-part question. Like as far as the MVP talk, like I feel like it's it's gonna be the same the same arguments. like I, I just I think the pushback is because Denver wasn't a good team this year or they weren't a great team this year. like they were subpar for MVP standards. They're probably one of the worst teams to ever generate an MVP. And then just the fact that it's his second in a row, it's like that's big time. Like are we yeah. sure he's like at that point where he's a multiple MVP guy already? Um, but I don't know, man. Like, I don't look, I don't hate it. You know, like he wasn't the guy I would have voted for, but like, I'm not mad about it. Contrary to probably what people would assume. Um, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the season he had, but I just think that's the bottom line is that they were a six seed. Uh, they got smoked in the first round of the playoffs. Um, they got smoked in the second round last year. So I just think that, uh, where it's like, now you can't possibly give it to him next year. Right? Like no matter how good of a season he has, like I know they say it's just based on that season, it's just a regular season award, but I think based on the playoff exits and just some of the No, he'll up, he'll
0: he'll never he he'll never win an MVP again. And, well, and I think if would... he
1: wins a title, he 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 gets right back in there and he could win a couple more. But like I just think he or he maybe he gets to the finals even. But I just think um look, man, I'm not blaming him for the team not being good. Like I think that's what people have a hard time parsing out. It's like it's not his fault that they weren't that good of a team this year. Like obviously it would have been a hell of a lot worse without him. But it's just the bottom line is that they were a sixth seed. He won MVP. I'm not that strongly opposed to it at this point, but I just think that that's kind of the answer to the question of why so many people are uh, yeah, are kind I'm, of opposed I'm, to it.
0: I'm with you, man. And it, it, uh, obviously, I think Jogic is a better player. I think I, I don't want to compare them to, but it reminds me of Russell Westbrook. You know, they were the sixth seed. Kevin Durant left, you know, and they just. He, he, I know he averaged a triple double, but you just knew like they weren't a threat to win the title, and I, it's the same with Jokic. He, he wasn't. You, you knew in, in December that that team wasn't winning the title, and it'd be a struggle for them to win the, the first long playoff matchup. So, because if you like look back, you
1: know, fast forward to the future, like 10, 15 years from now, we're like looking back, or like you know, younger people than us are looking back on just the MVP winners, and it's like Jokic wins those too. Like, is is that an accurate reflection of well,
0: it, it, his? It was- also- His
1: standing in the league, like, because people be like, "Oh, well he he must have been the best player in the league those years." And It's like, ah, I don't know. Like, in some ways, but like, you just you're just kind of detaching it from team success, and that historically hasn't been done to this extent, with a couple of exceptions, Westbrook being one.
0: Yeah, I, I think it all it all depends, and this goes into my part of. You know, I'll I'll take the first swing at this one. Where, you, where does he land on your your all time mm. center list, or where is, where is he on your greatest list? I, I think these next two years, again, well, let's 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 preface this. Here. This is not Jokic's fault that he won that he won this MVP. Like, let's just get that out of the way. But if his team doesn't make a deep run, I think he's got to win an NBA Finals to justify this uh, to to be on the you know the the greatest centers of all time list. Because if if his team just you know now that because all we heard know, his team, his team, his team. So if Jamal Murray comes back and Michael Porter Jr. comes back. And those guys, what, get out, get to the second round? I, I think that that uh, you know, there's going to be a lot more people that question the second MVP. But I think if, you know, maybe, maybe next year he gets to the Western Conference Finals or he gets to the NBA Finals and then eventually, you know, maybe he wins it in two years, I, I think people will be, a lot more people will be okay with this. But I think if, yeah. if he goes without winning an NBA Finals, people are going to look back on this MVP award and be like, this is why he shouldn't have won.
1: It's maybe a little even like the Nash MVPs,
0: but they were never. contenders. Yeah, they were contenders.
1: They were contenders, but he never did. He, he never even made a finals. So like, he didn't,
0: but you know, obviously there was a lot of stuff. Like it wasn't like, but
1: but we do look back on those. or Maybe not you and me, but like a lot of people do look back on those two MVPs, and they're like, damn, like I don't know if Nash was a two MVP guy now. Yeah, that we you know,
0: we you and I don't. But I think a lot of people forget how good that Phoenix team was and how close they were. Like we knew we knew this year. There was no chance in hell that Denver was winning the title.
1: No. Like, no there, I there think was that's no another part, no part of it. Chance. Yeah, that was another part and, of it. And we and know we
0: have, he- I think you have to factor in, though, Brett, like how close this was, right? Like, you had Joel Embiid and Giannis were all right there. Like, if yeah. I was going for his first, Giannis is just doing – Giannis is the best player in basketball. I think you had, a, you had a good post about it yesterday. Giannis is the best player in basketball. He's fucking superhuman. And you have Jokic. <laughs> I said Jokic. I said Jokic. I said Jokic was the
1: Jokic is the MVP, but but Embiid is the most valuable player, and like and I'm I'm saying there's a distinction between MVP the award and most valuable player the superlative or whatever. But that's that was more kind of half joking. But uh, look, man, Embiid uh, Jokic earned it. Like I'm not trying to take anything away from it. I would have liked to have seen Embiid get it, but you know we've we've talked about all this a lot, and uh, and I agree, man. Just like any other superstar, like he's going to have to uh, really win. Win some games in the playoffs at some point. I know he's been to the conference finals. Um, it's not like he bubble, hasn't been great bubble, in the playoffs, but bubble. yeah, bubble, but true, true. But uh, let's see what they, we'll see what they look like next year. But there will be some pressure on him, I think, rightfully so, and I don't think he's afraid of it. Um, he's he's fucking awesome, man. He's so, badass. and then, he's fucking and then the, he's amazing. And then, as far as the like where he stands in the greatest centers, like, I mean, <laughs> totally off the top of my head, like you know, cause you've got the obvious guys, you got you got Kareem, you've got. Bill Russell, you've got Wilt, you've got Shaq, you've got Olajuwon, and then you get into Am I who am I missing? Uh I think that's that's kind of the big five, right? Cause then you get into like the David Robinson Ewing. Yeah. I'd probably put Jokic top ten, I feel like, because I mean there's there's a couple old timers too that that deserve like how are you not gonna have George Mikan in your top ten? I'm not going to, I'm not a Bill Walton guy as far as just the, the career oh, I
0: is better than Bill Walton, better I, I, than Bill Walton.
1: I, than Bill Walton. Um, in my opinion, you can't really compare him to cause he's just from such a different era, but like, I'd probably have him like right behind Ewing and, uh and like David Robinson right now, like he'd be in maybe the next group below them. And then I don't think Embiid is, is far off him either. Like I think Embiid is, is right there, and If I'm missing somebody, I, I apologize. But I, I, I would say top ten, and then on the all-time players list, like um, top seventy-five, certainly. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I I'd agree. have him in there
1: somewhere. I hard to well, say I'll where.
0: I'll say he's definitely better than Anthony Davis. That's 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 not a question. I'd have him
1: ahead of Anthony. Da- I don't think I'd have AD top seventy-five. I would have Jokic in there, and I think in a couple more years, like once he just has a little more. Uh, Under his belt, like I think he'll be easily top 50 and then climb from there. And, you know, I think he'll end up probably well within the top 30, 35, like as a conservative guess. And he could go higher if he wins some titles. So, yeah, man, he's he's uh, he's one of the best we've seen. He's you know, I think him and Embiid are it's nice, man. The the centers are are back like it, it kind of feels like it did in the nineties when there was Shaq and David Robinson and, and Ewing was still going pretty strong. And it, it kind of feels like that a little bit of Lajuan, like now we've, we've got these, whether it's, you know, Giannis isn't really a center, but, but him and, and Jojo and, and Jokic it's, it's fun. I like, I'm a fan of the big guys and, and they're definitely uh, back in a big way.
0: I like it. I like it. All right. We got time for a couple more. Let's go with our guy, Eric Oz here, rank these guys next season, Maxi, Poole, Simons, Halliburton.
1: Next season. Maxie well,
0: let's let's go going into next season. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like either. if you're
1: drafting a team or whatever before the season, like who would you want? Yeah. Is um, it was Maxi, Simons, Pool, Halliburton? That's tough. I'd probably go Poole. Oh, say it. Pool Halliburton, Simons, Maxi.
0: Whoa, you got Maxi as number four, really? I
1: mean, I mean, I I like Halliburton a little better than Maxi. I like Simons a little better. Oh.
0: Maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe
1: I. What did I say? Pool Halliburton, Simons, Maxi. I think I'd go. That's what you said. Yeah, yeah. Si- I mean, Halliburton and Simons are so tough to compare, but like, I'm a big Simons guy. Like, I I like. I think Simons is is a little better than Maxi. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit anchored still to my like pre-draft opinion of Maxi. I think I had him like 19th on my big board. And like considering I've watched actually quite a bit of film on him, I'm kind of disappointed in myself for not seeing this. Like he's, he's already exceeded my expectations uh, probably for what he could ever become in the NBA, if we're being honest. So maybe I'm a little anchored to that. And you know, that pool and, Simons are two of my favorite players, and I'm a big Halliburton guy too. That's really tough. I wouldn't be mad if anybody put that in any order they wanted, though. It's a great question. Those guys are that's like pretty much a tier.
0: You know, a young, a young guard tier. I got it as Pool Maxi, Halliburton Simons.
1: As long as you got Pool first. (laughs)
0: That's 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 my guy before he's your guy. That's
1: close though. That's tough. That's a good question.
0: All right, we're gonna do one more. Uh this is from our guy Leon Collington. Which one singular player should the Knicks get this offseason? I'm gonna say it right now, Jalen Brunson. Donovan Mitchell. Ooh, I like it. I like it. I like star. It. I star. He's got star power. Up, I don't know. I I like I like Jalen because they can just sign him. They don't. They they don't got to trade for him.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I, I I like the I like the Mitchell idea, but yeah, you'd have to trade for him, of course. And I don't know. Could you could you sign? Could you extend? Uh, like RJ and trade him, or is there? I don't know. I, I can't remember the rules on that, but like that, you'd think it would have to be something like that, or Randall, I guess. Maybe, yeah, maybe Randall because you've got Obi Toppin, who I think is probably better than Randall. Honestly, well, Randall,
0: Randall, I think is a guarantee to be not on the team next year.
1: Well, maybe, maybe send him to Utah for, uh, Ooh, for Spider. Go. I just think, I just think the Knicks need a star, and like you know, no, like all bias aside, I just don't think RJ Barrett is ever going to be that. He's not flashy. He's not exciting. Um, like Donovan Mitchell has the personality and the game, and like I, I, I personally want to see him in a different system. Like I think he's awesome still. Like I know everybody's selling their Mitchell stock after the playoffs. Everybody's way down on his defense. Like I think he's a lot better than people are giving him credit for right now. And I'd like to see him in a new situation. And I think he, he's from New York. I think he um, needs
0: to be in a new situation.
1: Yeah. I think it kind of is good for any, everybody. And yeah, now that I think about it, it would probably be Randall. And then you have OB, um, RJ, Donovan Mitchell, um, you extend Mitchell Robinson and then you that's that's not a bad team. Uh, maybe Tibbs can get him to play some defense too, assuming uh, he's still there next year.
0: All right, we're gonna do we're gonna do one more because I love this one and then we're gonna get out of here with this. This is from Alonzo Alfonso Miguel Dimlo. Sorry, I probably got that one wrong too. I'm gonna answer this and I wanna hear your reaction to this. Who are your all-time shooters that you doubt will hit the shot? An example that comes to mind is Lakers Danny Green and current Duncan Robinson. I will tell you right now. Milwaukee Bucks JJ Redick. Dude could not hit anything with Milwaukee. Never ever ever. There's my answer for you.
1: Oh man. Uh that's,
0: that's Milwaukee a tough one. Bucks JJ Redick easily.
1: Was he that bad in Milwaukee? Oh
0: dude, he did not want to be here. He yeah, he he was that bad. Um
1: Maybe Blazers Robert Covington. I have to check there the numbers go, on that, but I was going to say Evan Turner because I hated him on the Blazers, but like, I don't know if that's really what the question was asking. I think I feel like he was looking for maybe actual uh, shooters. Let me see what Rocco uh, he was, yeah, look at the guy. he was 34 percent from three with, for the Blazers this season, and then he goes to the Clippers and shoots 45 percent. Look at that
0: um, because
1: he was, he was billed as a shooter coming into Portland and obviously he wasn't dreadful, but yeah, 34% on 4.8 attempts. Not great. And he, it, he really was one of those guys where I just felt like it was, it wasn't going in, even though he's by the numbers, not the worst shooter.
0: I love it. I love it. All right, Brett, my dude, man, maybe we'll do a reaction on pod tomorrow. I know you got to, you know, do an Usher Humble break, be on a boat, but uh, we'll see. We'll try to bang another one out this week for everybody. So for myself and Brett, love you guys. Appreciate it. Bucks and six. Thank you.